Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Hello again. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with my friend Moses Odell again. He was just on the podcast recently, but that was your introduction to him and his story, his testimony. But this time we're going to look at a specific topic, something Moses is passionate about. That is the topic of worship. So we'll be looking at worship in the church, but also personal worship uh, when you're alone with the Lord. And we'll we'll look at different aspects. So it'll be a good discussion. Welcome, Moses. Thank you, thank you, Brother Anthony. Uh, tell us why you are interested in the topic of worship. Why is this a passion of yours? Why is it an interest of yours? Well, um, I am passionate about worship because of of two reasons, two main reasons really. One is um, of uh, because of what worship mm. necessarily is. Um, worship is um, uh, apparently comes from uh, an English word, an old English word that uh, that word is worship, hmm. um, worthiness, you know, value, um, merit or honor, you know, and worship is, in a sense, in a spiritual sense. And, and to us Christians, you know, the value that we attach to God, mm. the 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 merit that we give Him, the honor that we give Him, the um, the the ascribing of greatness and mm-hmm. worthiness of who God is to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me that's one reason. Uh, the other reason is that it is something that is born out of a Christian experience. Mm-hmm. Worship comes from one's, uh, when, when one meets God, when one, one meets Christ. Um, uh, there is a story in John chapter 4, I think, of a woman who, who, was, who was at the well. Mm-hmm. And she, she went there to, to get water, you know, at an odd hour. Mm-hmm. And she meets Jesus, or Jesus meets her, uh, if you like, and um, leads her on a path of discovery, mm. of discovering who Jesus was and what worship is. Uh, that's that's one reason mm. for me. And then the other reason is um, worship is something that we believe will continue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, preaching. I'm a preacher. You're a preacher. Mm. We won't preach in heaven. Mm-hmm. But in heaven, we will worship. Mm. We will be in awe of who God continually will reveal himself to be. Mm. And uh, the endless state of that revelation, that it will never end, mm. of who God is, is worthy of worship. Mm. And I think that's where the, 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 the book of Revelation talks about, you know, the the. the, the 24 elders and uh, mm-hmm. the creatures that keep bowing before God, mm-hmm. before the Lamb of God, you know, worshiping Him day and night. 
mm-hmm. saying, holy, holy, holy. So how much worth do we give God? Mm. Is he is he just a savior? Is he even a savior? Is he even God? Does he even exist? You might want to ask that. I mean, there are people who believe that there is mm-hmm. no God. And for us who believe, and, and they worship something else. They worship mm-hmm. their intellect. They That is what they value. That's mm-hmm. what they honor. And so, but we who believe in Christ, we... We, we, we know that there is a God in heaven. There is a powerful being, a being like no other, mm-hmm. who is, uh, you know, self-sufficient. He, is, um, he, he, he dwells in himself. He does not need um, men, mm-hmm. and yet he creates us and uh, mm-hmm. does, um, you know, does us so much love um, that we don't even deserve. And he is worthy of worship. He's mm-hmm. worthy to be, to be valued and to be honored. Mm-hmm. And I think you're also a worship leader, or you have been in the past. I have been, and I'm kind of rebounding on it now that I'm a, <laughs> a pastor in a small local setting of a church mm. uh, with youth. I mean, you have to. I'm not that old. I'm just you know, <laughs> 44 years old, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I'm I'm passionate about worship because worship, again, like I said, is about connecting with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that woman at the well, in the end, uh, not only understood what worship was, and I don't know whether you will allow me to, you know, to give a background to that mm-hmm. story for those who might not. Right. Yeah, so uh, Jesus is going uh, to, I believe it was Jerusalem. Mm. And uh, there, there. I think two, two at that time there were two routes uh, through that um, that that one would use, but he chose he chose the the short way. But that short way, you one had to go through Samaria, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the Pharisees, teachers of the law, and uh, all these uh, religious people would take the longer way through mm. through through uh, you know using a boat to go to the other side of the. Of, of the of the mountain and and uh, so I mean I don't have the context very well but Jesus goes through this town Samaria uh, specifically um, not just for the sake of a shortcut but I think mm-hmm. in my view to meet this woman yeah and he he finds her at the well at a wrong time most people um, even here locally, Anthony, you know that women go early morning or late evening, but not when the sun is hot. Mm. The Bible says that he found her there at midday or something. It was very hot. Mm. And of course, Palestine is also naturally arid, mm. uh, semi-arid you know, place where there is heat naturally. And he meets, he meets this woman and says, give me a drink. And the woman says, you know, you are, first of all, you are a religious person and you're a Jew. And uh, I am a Samaritan. We don't get along by history and, uh, you know, by virtue of who we are in terms of our religious, uh, you know, uh, beliefs and, and understanding of worship and faith and God and who belongs to God, who, you know, is closer to God is it the Jew or the Samaritan you know all mm-hmm. that stuff um, there was a you know kind of a, a chasm between these two mm-hmm. relatives 
And um, she says, you are a Jew, you're a rabbi, or something like that. I am a, a Samaritan. But what's for you, sir? You are a man, I'm a woman. It cannot be that we are even having this conversation. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, uh, Jesus is like, give me a drink. And she's like, you don't even have a container for, for, you know, if I have to get the water for you, there is no container um, uh, for me to get the water for you. So how do you, how are you going to get the water? And uh, Jesus quickly says that if you knew who it was asking for this drink, mm. you would have actually asked of him that give me, uh, give me this, give me water, mm. living water. And, uh, and, and the woman is like, oh, so, um, Um, and then Jesus says that whoever drinks of this water um, 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 is, is, is going to be thirsty. This natural water is going to be thirsty. But as God, I have put a thirst in you that only I have the resources, the, the living water, to, to quench that thirst. And, uh, and, and, and then the woman says, you know what, uh, give me this drink. Mm. Give me this drink so that I don't keep coming here uh, to draw water at the wrong hour because of my background, because of who I am back at home. Mm. And, 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 and Jesus says, okay, uh, well, go call your husband. Go call the man you're living with, the man you claim to be husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. The, 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 you don't have a husband. In fact, the man you're living with is not even your husband. And the woman says, oh, she gets shocked. She's like, sir, I can see that you are a man of God. You're a prophet. And she diverts the subject. She's like, our ancestors, Jacob, because they are Jacob's well. Our ancestors uh, worshipped in this mountain, uh, not uh, Mount Zion, uh, Mount, I think it was Mount Gerizim or something mm. to that, yeah. And, um, but you guys worship in Jerusalem. You, for us, we are doing the right thing. You guys are doing the wrong thing. Mm. Uh, because they believe, the Samaritans believe that Moses commissioned an altar mm. in, 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 in Mount Gerizim. And so there is this division between the Samaritans and the Jews. And Jesus and this woman are in that, in that mix. And uh, Jesus quickly says, uh, uh, Lady, trust me when I say this, that there's going to be a time when uh, you don't need to worship from this mountain you claim is the altar for the entire world to worship from. Mm -hmm. Or that the Jews, we claim that Jerusalem is the altar. We see Jesus is, is, is so Jesus says the time will come. In fact, the time has even come when, you know, true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth. Because the Father is seeking for such worshippers and the woman says I know that the, the Messiah will come and tell us more things about this he will come to Samaria and I think they believe that the Messiah comes to Samaria not to not to, to the Jews or Israel 
And Jesus reveals himself. He says, the one you are waiting for, the Messiah, I am he. And this woman, you know, gets, becomes a woman who is, you would call a convert, you know, like a Christian convert. Right away she gets fired up mm. and she runs to the town because she has had this connection with Jesus. She has had a personal encounter with a, a life-changing encounter with, with God, mm. with the Messiah. This is the Messiah. And she runs to the whole town and she becomes an evangelist almost. She begins to broadcast, say, guys, you know me. You know my story. You know I'm a prostitute. You know I am a loose woman. You know I am this kind of person. But I have experienced a quenching of the thirst that I had from a man who might actually be the Messiah. Come and meet him. And when you read, you continue reading the Bible, you, you, you notice that, they, you know, Jesus, they requested him to stay. And I think he stayed for two or three nights mm. teaching and preaching. And the gospel, you know, um, you know, the gospel gets spread by Christ in Samaria through, through, through an act of connection, mm. understanding, uh, you know, who God is. And, and that comes uh, from one's understanding of who they are. Mm. Who am I as Moses? I am a wretched man. I'm broken. I am, I am corrupted by sin. Mm. I, am, I am nothing. Mm. I'm, I, am, I am unholy. I am totally wretched, deserving of God's wrath, deserving mm. not of God's love, but of God's wrath of his indignation. Everything that God would do, like uh, David says in, in Psalm 51, he says, you are right when you judge, mm. when you speak, when you act. You are right to do that to me because I know who I am. Mm. I was born in sin. My mother conceived me a sinner. And in fact, for my case, I, I think even for David, because David is, theologians believe that he was not um, he didn't share the same mother with the rest of the, the mm. brothers, but the father was the same. And I don't know whether that is true, but I don't know. I don't want to put that into you know into the context of speak, uh, of scripture. But in my case, as Moses, mm. I was conceived in sin. Mm. You know, my my mother conceived me in sin. I was not conceived in wedlock. I was conceived out of wedlock. Mm -hmm. So I am a sinner through and through. Mm. And then comes this man called Jesus and he, he says, your sins are forgiven. It is finished on the cross. He dies on the cross, uh, revealing God's love. That is something so huge. Mm. And he says, whatever you, you are, whoever you are, you are no longer that person. Mm. You know, you are now me. Your sin, I give you my righteousness. Let me have your sin. Mm. A serious exchange happens there. Mm. And that's something you don't just take lightly. Mm. It is something that is worthy of, of, of um, 
some kind of meditation, you need to sit down and look deep in your life, look into your heart, look into your your past, the things you you've done, the things you've um, left undone, you know, the rebellion, the disobedience. And sometimes we might say, I'm a good person. But what makes you good in the sight of God? Because um, there's no one good. The Bible mm. says, none is righteous, not even one. Mm. So there's no way I can claim I'm good. Mm. If I have looked at a woman lustfully, I have broken one commandment in the ten. Mm. And Jesus said, if you break one, you've broken everything. Mm. So I am not good. And so when Jesus comes to meet me in my own well, in my own situation, and tells me that I am no longer that person, I am a child of God, mm. he calls me a friend, I am a joint heir with Christ, that is something else. You're saying that is what is fueling your worship. That fuels, that's the foundation mm. of my worship. Yeah. Because worship really comes from relationship. If you look at, um, if you look at Genesis, uh, um, I think Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve fall into sin, mm -hmm. there, before that, the Bible says that God would commune with Adam. Mm -hmm. There was a relationship. Yeah. They walked together. Mm. There was no shame. There was no fear. There was no guilt. Until Adam decided to say, you know what? I don't value you as God. Mm. I don't esteem you. I don't need to honor you. Let me eat of this tree and I will be exactly like you because that's what the devil said, mm. serpent said. That if you eat, God just doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat this thing, mm. you don't need to bow before him. Mm -hmm. You don't need to worship him. You don't need to, you know... To honor him, you you will be exactly like him. So they, you you will be a boss of yourself, mm -hmm. and that's what sin does. Mm -hmm. Makes us to to find fulfillment and satisfaction mm -hmm. uh, in the wrong way, mm -hmm. with the wrong things, mm -hmm. and um, and so that breaks the relationship between uh, between man and, and God, mm -hmm. and so there is no worship. Mm -hmm. Worship is really the relationship, a lifestyle. Like a connection. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Mm. It's not just going to church on Sunday mm. to say I we lift holy hands. That's part of it. Yeah. But worship is a lifestyle. So what what other things are you including besides going to church to sing? We'd all call that worship, but mm. when you say it's a lifestyle, what are the other things you're thinking about during the week that are part of worship? I think um, yeah, like I said, worship is a lifestyle, and that lifestyle comes from, first of all, having faith. Jesus says that this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he sent. Mm -hmm. um, but he also says uh, in the same, in John, he says that, in the John or Matthew, he says that um, you love me if you, you know, if you do what I say, if you mm -hmm. obey my commands, yeah. then you love me. Mm -hmm. And worship is, is not so much out of fear of punishment. Mm -hmm. It has to do with love. Mm -hmm. That I, I, I am loved and I want to love back. Mm -hmm. And so 
when I say it is a lifestyle, it means that everything that I do or think of doing or even think, I must, I must value, I must honor God as I do it. Does it honor God? Mm-hmm. Does it um, bring glory to him? Mm-hmm. You know, what Paul says that whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is, mm-hmm. you know, all these whatevers, mm-hmm. think of these things, do these things. That is worship. Mm-hmm. That is how worship becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And um, loving our neighbors, um, you know, uh, treating the beggar as, as part of the human race, you know, we, we, we've come out from this helping mm-hmm. without hurting in Africa, you know, mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. That approach in itself is an approach of worship, recognizing that, um, yes, the person is materially poor, for instance, but they're a human being. Mm-hmm. They are made in the image of God, loving them, mm-hmm. serving them. Um, it's just a lifestyle, whatever yeah. we do. In life that's good that's a good foundation for starting our, our conversation looking at the really what do, what are we talking about with what worship is and why we worship let's let's look at now some specific practical issues related to worship uh, let's look at uh, where we are in Uganda look at the churches here I know there's a diversity of churches but just kind of look at it at things generally mm-hmm. um, for those people listening from North America or other places what are some of the real strengths that you see in worship in terms of worship in the Ugandan church or some of the but you can think both uh, both in the church services but also in people's personal lives what are some of those strengths that people have with worship um, well I, in answering your question, I I want especially our Western brothers to understand that um, worship in the African sense um, is very inter- intertwined with one's life, or it, at least it used to be. Mm-hmm. That 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 in fact worship is an entire experience to to the African brother, brotherhood. Like mm. we, we, we experience, um, or we, we uh, worship is in every experience. When we are happy, there is a song sung. There is emotions. There is words spoken to the spiritual, to God um, in this case. Uh, when we have lost somebody and we're mourning, there is, there are expressions that are expressed to to God, and those can be positive or negative ex- emotions, expressions. But they, there is um, a mingling, if you like, of of, of my Africanness with worship itself. Mm. Um, so uh, when when and that's why you find. Uh, when 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 you come to a local church in Africa, as as compared to probably the uh, North America, where you, when you come to church, there is there is a music. It's it's not so loud. It's uh, you know maybe a mm-hmm. piano. Yeah. 
maybe a guitar and two or three people leading worship and um, like my father-in-law's church in uh, St. Thomas in Can Canada, Ontario, uh, they, they don't even allow you to, you know, to swing your body to move. You just, you know, that is a reformed church. <laughs> and, but in, in, in the African context, you, you will find the fullness of life displayed in worship, in the church, mm. in the worship experience. There will be drums, there will be shakers, there will be a lot of noise, there will be dancing and screaming and ululating and loud songs and and, and, and all this. What is you what is ululating for people who don't know? Okay. <laughs> ululating is just doing this. <laughs> that's screaming. That's <laughs> Okay, <laughs> thank you. It's good for people to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, 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 it's a time of reflection mm. for an African when 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 there's, it's time for worship. It's a it's a serious time in, in the African church. It's a time to reflect. It's a time to focus on uh, one's way of life and see whether you know you have gone away from the right path. And um, and sometimes when uh, bad things happen, especially when bad things happen, is when that becomes very serious. When that worship out of loss, out of pain, out of struggle, um, um, then people begin to look back to the past. Mm -hmm. What did my father do? Was he a witch doctor? Do I need to repent for those sins? I, so worship kind of... Uh, um, does that in the African uh, in, in the African, but coming uh, to the church and um, uh, could you refresh me on the question again? Yeah, like what are some of the strengths? The strengths of of you know all of our different denominations and churches have different strengths and weaknesses, and in terms of worship, what are some of the strengths of Ugandan churches, especially that that the West can learn from? Or even other African countries could learn from Uganda. Okay, so yeah, so we we never rush a worship service. Mm. We we believe that, and this is generally all over, except for churches in the cities where they try to you know manage time, but in the rural area, we believe that I've had four, five, six days. And today is a Sunday. I must honor God with a Sunday. So most of the African families are usually in church. Mm -hmm. And uh, if they have something to do um, on a Sunday, then they go very early for the first service or first mass, whatever you want to call it. And um, again, like I said, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of vigor, a mm -hmm. lot of physical... Mm -hmm. uh, expressions yeah. in the worship. I think that is something that um, is still there, and I thank God for it. In, in, in the cities, again, it's, it's 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 a bit moderate. But in the villages, we've just come from the prison here mm -hmm. uh, with friends. We we'd gone to to do Bible study with the prisoners, and they they, they were really singing, and it reminded me of. 
the past. They were clapping and dancing and jumping and it brought me to tears because um, almost uh, almost uh, kind of um, refreshingly uh, speaking into scripture that says that where you know where the spirit of God is, there is liberty, liberty to mm. to dance like David dance, you know, to dance off your clothes, to dance off your pain, mm. and um, I think that's a positive thing mm. in the in the African church that uh, that is there. The other one is again that stems out of that or as a result of that is that there is fear of deity, there is a certain fear that. Uh, the local church here attaches to God. And right now, um, um, I don't want to enter into that subject, but there is, uh, 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 there is a high regard for God in, uh, in terms of um, morality issues. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, there are areas where um, the championing of moral standards by the church uh, are weak, especially in financial corruption and mm. what. But generally speaking, there is a strong sense of spiritual soberness in the worship. That, that God is real. Yes. He demands our respect. He demands obedience. Like a healthy fear of yes, respect. Yes, very healthy fear of respect for God mm. in, the, in, in the churches here. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, most churches, especially the traditional churches, like the Anglicans, the Baptists, a few old Pentecostals like PAG, uh, although there is a strong, not, not very deeply strong, but there is a strong rootedness in sound theological teachings. When you come to the teaching beat of worship, mm -hmm. um, there is sound doctrine in some, of, in some of these churches. Unfortunately, though, there is the influence of, again, North America, the, you know, uh, prosperity gospel yeah. that has come to, to Uganda, Kenya, Nigeria, where um, the church is, is essentially meant to be stronger in those places. Mm. But also it's a place where there's a lot of prosperity teaching and, and wrong doctrinal stands. Um, you started to say something a, a few minutes ago about uh, not rushing the worship services. Mm. Um, I think that you didn't finish that point. How, how long are the worship services here in town, in the village, and how do you compare it to your experiences in other places like North America? Okay, I have not yet gone to North America, okay. but I've been to the Netherlands, and uh, the service was about... About 60 minutes, mm -hmm. 55 to 60 minutes, everything was compressed within that time. Mm -hmm. um, he, here, in, uh, here in Uganda, just preaching alone could take between 50 minutes to 70 minutes mm -hmm. of just preaching, preaching the Word of God and singing and uh, all these other things, uh, forms of expression of worship within the service. So the entire service could take between two and a half hours to three, mm -hmm. sometimes 
if it's a joint service, it can take up to five or six hours mm-hmm. um, of just being in church and going through all the, the you know, the liturgical. Yeah. I have a lot of friends who are at church basically the whole day on Sunday because they yeah. all stay for the different services even and other yeah other meetings. Yeah. What What about uh, strengths of people in their personal worship? What are this common kind of practices that you see um, in terms of people's personal worship of God? I think um, uh, at a personal level, and, and speaking of myself, it is uh, having the discipline to, um, to to set aside time. And, uh, and Anthony, you've had this. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's broadcast in the morning, but you, you hear people waking up around 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. 2 in the morning, some even um, before they sleep. Mm-hmm. They have the midnight hour where they they spend considerable time seeking God. And, and this is not something um, uh, as a result of a pain or it's purely seeking God, mm-hmm. searching for God. There are, there are people who do that for hours. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, actually, my, my best man who... From whom I learned a lot of this prayer, I mean, these worship habits uh, of prayer, intercession, fasting, um, worship songs and all this, that we would spend nights and days just in the presence of God, not doing anything, Mm. just being there. And God would show up. God really shows up in in, in some some, some instances. God really shows up. But just developing the dis- the daily discipline in an African uh, Christian home, you will find that they have what they call a prayer altar. Mm. And in that prayer altar, the family meets in the evening. You know, the the father or the mother shares, or if they are older kids, they they will be required to read from the Bible and share their thoughts. Uh, usually after supper, mm. usually after a meal, but before. Um, Everyone heads out to bed. They spend at least 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes even an hour. It can actually be a service of its own in uh, Christian homes. Uh, but also at a personal level, uh, that discipline is there. Mm. Yes. Maybe let me take you back to the people who wake up at night to pray. Um, are they... Maybe it's obviously different for each person, but in general, are people reading the Bible? Are they pouring out their prayer requests to God? Are they just singing and praising God for who he is? Are they speaking in tongues? Are they lamenting? What do you, what do you think is the normal practice? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there is a... Um, I think there is some kind of formula that has been um, developed and used and passed on um, through churches mm. um, that that has all those things, mm. you know, opening prayer, okay. confession, mm-hmm. praise and worship, um, 
more confession, prayer for needs and all that and then and then worshiping God, hearing the word and then more singing and response to the word. Is there is there singing also in the middle of the night? There is singing, loud singing in, in the, the middle of the, the night. middle of the night. Doesn't that wake the other family members? Of course, that's a weakness. It it wakes up uh, not just family members but the neighborhood mm. as well, and it's it's a weakness. And sometimes, uh, to the extremes, uh, they you know find somebody has a you know feels called to wake people up in the morning, so they mm. have. A big horn on top of their roof, and they blast it at 5 a.m. Mm. And they say it's time to pray, and they start praying. Yeah. And then there are, of course, some people who are following into that, you mm. know. And so, if there are a few people complaining and they are more saying, you know, we need that in our lives, then the person continues with that kind of habit. Mm. And I think for me, I think it is a weakness uh, for me. I, I would not. I would not advise that to be to be a habit so, unless you know it's a church program and you are in a church community and everyone has agreed to do that. But if you are in a residential place, in my view, that should not be. So tell me something about uh, people's singing praises to God. My impression is that it's more usual here than uh, in the U.S. It seems like. Families sing together. People are singing as they walk down the street. I don't know what 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 would you say about that? Is that an accurate? Uh... Yeah, it is. A, it is an accurate description. Um, again, there's a writer, a reverend from Kenya. He's he's passed on now. I think four or five years. It's called Samuel Mbiti. Mm. Um, he wrote a book on African traditional religion. Mm. Do you mean, is that the same as John Mbiti? John, yeah, John Mbiti. Okay. I think that's the title of the book or uh, something like something that. Like that. Mm -hmm. But the very first paragraph that he writes, he says that Africans are notoriously, uses the word notoriously, mm. religious. Mm. And again, like I said earlier on, everything is intertwined with religion. Mm. But the expression of religion is usually mostly through singing. Mm. And um, you'll find children singing church songs. She's, the mother has told her, you know, sweep the compound. She's singing mm. while sweeping the compound. Uh, you find a boy, he's been playing football, and the father says, go bathe. He's bathing, but you hear the bathroom. He's mm. singing a worship song. Mm. Um, so song is part of um, worship here. Mm. It's very and, and, and vibrant singing mm. with a lot of uh, you know uh, dance, mm -hmm. drums, mm -hmm. loud music, and generally Africans are loud. The loudest would be the South Africans and the Nigerians. Ugandans are pretty quiet compared to a lot of we other... We are very quiet. We... <laughs> but you're still louder than us, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are very quiet, yeah. at least to a some extent. Just not the speakers in church. Yeah, not the speakers Let's come, in church. And that leads us now to some <laughs> of the challenges 
in t- some of the challenges of the church here in terms of worship. So I've already mentioned one that uh, I is think loud. is a, something that bothers many people. Is that the sound systems are very loud. So I was just making a joke about that, but uh, that's what we were referring to for those of you who are listening, <laughs> that sometimes the speakers are so loud that it's hurting your ears physically. But anyway, what are what are some of the challenges you see in terms of worship for Ugandan churches, both at a church level and individual level? I, I think that the one of the weaknesses that I think is key is is comes from the way the the I I perceive it that way the way the missionaries the first missionaries came mm. especially to Uganda mm-hmm. uh, because. At that time, what you consider loud now was probably two or three times, you know, triple in terms of um, the expression of, mm-hmm. you know, worship and sound and music and mm-hmm. and um, and so when the, the 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 missionaries came, one of the things that they attempted to kill was. Um, the African way of expressing worship, mm. expressing adoration and honor to, at that time, the spirits and the gods and whatever they, whatever our ancestors uh, worshipped, mm. and so the the missionaries said, you know, these things are wrong. Mm. Drums are bad. Yeah. Shakers are bad. Um, you know, the local instruments. These are things that are for gods uh, mm. and spirits. You cannot bring them to the church, and so. The African Christian, uh, the local Christian here, began to you know to struggle within themselves uh, because their identity, who they are in terms of expression, is being suppressed by this very beautiful gospel, and so 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 they began to sing the Western songs, the song that the missionaries brought. Mm. And so that's where you have the hymn, hymn books. And, mm-hmm. But in the process of doing that, and of course it was good to have uh, the Western songs uh, come. Of course, they are rich songs. They, they are written with a rich uh, theological foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, hymns particularly. Um, but in my view, that killed the, the creative mind Mm. I think that if that had not been done, there would be a very rich catalog of African songs today mm-hmm. for the church mm-hmm. with not shallow theology as it is today, okay. but with a deep understanding of, of you know, what, who, who God is and what scripture says about mm-hmm. God and how to worship him and, and, and things like that. So I think that there is a weakness... Um, the weakness is that today we have taken on the Western songs, even the Western style of of singing, mm. uh, and and the Western style of uh, worship. And so there is this expression of praise and worship, mm. which is also misunderstood because uh, we think that when a song is has a faster tempo, mm-hmm. then it is a praise song. Mm-hmm. Because that's how we praise mm-hmm. as Africans. 
That's how we understand praise. When the chief comes or a king comes, the, the songs that are sung fast are the praise songs. You're praising him as a commander, as a king of kings. You know, kings of the of the land. He's a conqueror. Yeah. He's come back from battle. He's come with prisoners and what, and um, so you're praising him. And then when he has refreshed the next day and he's sitting on the throne, then worship comes. And those worship songs are usually sorrowful or slow songs or, you know, so. So that understanding and concept, uh, an importation of the Western style of worship in my view to a very large extent has killed so the african let me uh, ask more about that because i see what you're talking about in terms of the churches that are singing western hymns but uh, these other pentecostal churches um, which is most of the churches here different kinds of pentecostals um, do you see that they're singing western songs they are singing. They are singing. Actually, there was, I don't know in other African states and areas what precipitated um, uh, a return to, to singing or incorporating local songs. Mm. But here in Uganda, I believe it was um, the, 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 the East African revival. Mm. Because a revival came with new song new songs that mm. were not necessarily hymns from you know from england or, mm. but but it came with its own songs mm. um and some of those songs were really would really ignite people mm. and the spirit of god would move and so people realize and say okay what the the, the first missionaries taught was wrong mm. you know yeah. uh, when the bible says clap your hands that is just very good for the African to hear because mm -hmm. clap your hands, all you people, it's, it's good. Sing, sing, uh, when, 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 when David, I think, or Asaph writes Psalm 150, he says, let everything that has breath, mm. you know, praise him with drum, praise him with this, praise him with that. The African says, oh, I have the tools. Yeah. I have, I have everything I need to do this. I have the drums, I have the harps, I have the, the ululating, I have the dance, mm -hmm. the dramatization of it. I, I am richly endowed with the things that God actually needs for me to worship. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is beginning to happen in the Pentecostal churches. But unfortunately also, there is still that influence of the, of the Western church. Mm -hmm. And so we are singing these modern day church, uh, songs. Mm -hmm coming off of hill songs, elevation yeah. worship, and, and some of those are not theologically sound mm. songs. Um, some of them sound like love songs mm. to, to me, you know. Um, I don't have one off of my head now, but... Yeah, so I, I know that I know about some of that controversy on some of those songs. But let's just uh, take some of the Western songs that are, let's say, theologically correct. Yes. Um, do you have a problem? This is something I'm wondering about myself, so I just want to get your opinion. Do you see a problem with Ugandan churches learning these songs from the West, saying, we like them, we like to sing them, um, in addition to our own local songs? 
Um, is that a is that a bad thing to learn from other people, or is there something behind it that shows that there's some some concern that we should have when that's happening? I I I think it's not generally bad to learn a new song from you know from 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 a brother from you know from the West. It's not it's not it's enriching. It enriches worship. It enriches the 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 church experience of worship. And um, uh, I love I love hymns. Mm. Any hymn that is written, you know, hundreds of, you know, even current hymns like mm. uh, the Gettys, mm -hmm. you know, they write very good, rich hymns. The, yeah. the theological um, uh, foundation of those of those of those of of those hymns. A hymn like "When I Survey the Wondrous Cross." Mm -hmm. On which the Savior, on which my Savior died, it is, it calls me to actually do that. Mm -hmm. I I begin to imagine the cross. I begin to take a survey of what Jesus went through for me, mm -hmm. and that makes me to honor Christ, uh, not just from a statement that a preacher said that you know Jesus came and died for your sins. What does that even mean? Yeah. You know what 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 was his dying like? And so that song kind of uh, elevates Christ, but points me to him. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of these songs that are sung, it's about I, 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 I. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's for me, I, I fear uh, some of those songs because then the object of worship mm -hmm. becomes the I. Yeah. Than me, rather than pointing me to Jesus. But it is not bad to have the Western songs that point us to Christ. Could, Worship is about Christ. Could it be that you see, because the way you were talking about this at the beginning, I, I, I hear some concern. Could it be that your concern was like too many Western songs and not enough songs that are, are written here by Ugandans. Not that it's bad to learn from the West, but if that's if those are the only songs that we're prioritizing rather than looking at, is that where some of your concern is? Yeah, my concern is I, I am a musician. I have not so much delved into songwriting. I've written a couple of songs. Mm -hmm. um, but again, it's not bad to have songs come from the West. Mm -hmm. My concern is that even when we write songs here in Uganda or in Africa, we tend to follow uh, an international standard that has already mm. been set up. Mm. And so we miss out on our own rhythm of and style of songwriting that would then enrich our ex African experience, mm -hmm. but also unite us as an African church. Or Ugandan church mm. um, to worship. There are certainly songs that are richly written from the African context. Uh, there is a song um, in the, that came from the the, the 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 African East African revival. Mm. In, in it's a it's a Bantu song, mm. but it has now been translated to other languages in the country and when that song is sung mm -hmm. you will see everybody get up mm. which one is that 
Uh, so, one of the things I've, I've seen, I want you to comment on this, the issue of language. So I, sometimes I'll see the same people I know singing in English at church. And they're quite passionate, more passionate than uh, people from my churches back in the U.S. But then you say that, see the same people sing in Ateso, their native language, and yeah. all of a sudden there's more passion, there's more, passion. more heart in it. Yes. What would you, because, what would you say about that? <laughs> because there is a connection. Let me give you a song, a very simple song. Mm. I will translate it to you. An Ateso song. It, it to to you a Westerner. If we translate it directly to you, um, it doesn't make sense. Hmm. It's just a simple question. You might hear that song in PAG here in Soroti. The question is: the song is, "You are with who? Hmm. In whose company are you with?" And the answer is. I am in the company of Christ. Mm. Now, there is a web of emotion mm. behind that song. Because now, when you, you when I think about, I, I narrowly missed an accident the other day. Mm. And you're asking me, who am I with? I'm with the one who saved me the other day. My child was sick. Who are you with? Mm. I'm with the one who healed my, my, my daughter. Mm. I had this financial burden or I was deep into, you know, pornography or mm -hmm. drug abuse and God picked me out of that pit. And then you're asking me, who am I with? Mm -hmm. So all those emotions, all those things, the, the testimonies of what God has done through my entire past, then come into that song. Mm -hmm. But the song itself is just saying, who are you with? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, I'm with Jesus. And so when that song is sung, compared to when I survey the wondrous cross, mm. the other one gets more attention. Mm. It's the simple song. Mm. Because there's a lot of things going on in the background as okay. I'm singing mm -hmm. that song. There's a lot of emotion. Mm. Good. Um, do you have other challenges you want to address? Um, I in kind of... of in terms of worship here, uh, again, my, my challenge is, my, my one of the challenges I have generally with worship is when a song says, lift up your hands, mm. but we are standing, we are not lifting our hands. Uh, to me, that is hypocrisy. Yeah. It's, um, you, are, you are not really there to worship. Mm. You are just there for... Because if you are there to worship, then you would be doing exactly what the song mm. says. I lift my eyes. Lift your eyes to the coming king. Mm -hmm. Whether, you know, in your spirit or... We, we do that in the U.S. also. <laughs> we say we bow down, but no but one is no bowing. one bows down. But they, maybe they, they feel like they're bowing in their heart. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think that, uh, I think that is something that should change. Mm, um, um, my my father-in-law again is from the CRC church and I think you are too mm. um, where in their church they are not even allowed to swing or clap hands mm. 
And the Bible says, mm. clap your hands. There is, worship has a, you know, it has its own, it has a protocol. Mm. It has a way we do it. And I just want to share with us Psalm, Psalm 100. It has just five verses, and I think you you'll give me two or three minutes to do that. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Mm. That is just verse one. Shout. That's what that's what the Bible is saying. Shout for joy. Mm. You can't come to church and just be quiet or moody or serious, mm. and you know thinking about the football match that is going to come. You know, for you guys, I'm told the football, if the preacher does not preach for 15 minutes, the people walk away. And then, of course, you know who is God. Mm. But shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. He says, shout. Worship the Lord with gladness. You can't come to the place of worship gloomy. Mm. He says, be glad. That's the protocol. Um, come before him with joyful songs. That's what God is looking for. Joyful songs. And, and not just, you know, again, not standing straight like a log. I, I really express your joy. David, the Bible says David danced when the Ark of Covenant came. He danced until his robes fell off. And then somebody was trying to stop him, his wife. And, that, and then the Bible says God struck her with barrenness. Mm -hmm. You know, God is serious about worshiping. Mm -hmm. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Know that the Lord is good. Verse 3. Know that the Lord is good. He's God. The Lord is God. He's not some football game. He's not some, you know, television um, program you don't want to miss. He is God. He created you, created heaven. Without creating you, without doing the things he has done for you, you will not be here enjoying that football that you want to enjoy or the piece of meat that you want to, you know, barbecue, whatever it is that you are time conscious about. Um, know that, it is, that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are the, his people, the sheep of his pasture. You know, enter his gates with thanksgiving. How many times do we enter into a place of worship, whether personal or corporate, with, with thanksgiving? We are always, um, sometimes we're complaining, sometimes we're not there, even our bodies are there, but uh, give thanks to him, praise him, for the Lord is good, his love endures forever. Mm. That is his value. Mm. Who is God to you? Who is God to me? Um, and I think worship should be a response to... Worship is a response to revelation. When God re reveals himself, like he revealed himself to this uh, woman at the well, then you know worship comes in. Mm -hmm. And um, we should go to God's house. Uh, you know, first of all, understanding who we are. We are sinners. We're wretched. But we are also children of God now, saved and being saved and being sanctified and being uh, made uh, holy and separate and soon to be justified before the Father on Judgment Day. So let's go and express ourselves just like a child, a little child expresses themselves to their parent. Jesus said, come to me like these little children. Mm -hmm. Our worship should be like that.
yeah. that we come to God just the way we are, mm-hmm. without without any science to it. Yeah. Amen to that. Moses, I think we're out of time, but that's a good note to end it on. Thank you. Thank you, Thank so you for much. having me. Thank you so much for sharing.